Hello, this is Ben Eshmade and welcome to the King's Place podcast. On Thursday the 13th of March, the Anthony Strong Band come to King's Place alongside another rising star, Julia Beale. To discover more about England's new jazz superstar, I caught up with Anthony Strong in Hall 1 at King's Place to find out more about him and he may even play us a song later if we're lucky. Are you looking forward to coming to King's Place? Well, now that I'm sitting in the room that I'm playing at, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a, a fantastic acoustic, a, a beautiful room. And, uh, and an incredible piano. I was going to talk about that a little bit. I mean, I presume, especially maybe when you started out, you weren't guaranteed that you were going to obviously you could get a Steinway. I wasn't, no. No, I did a lot of gigs on a keyboard, <laughs> which, uh, is, which is A, hard work, and B, not, not as much fun for someone like me who's who studied piano and I'm not, I'm not being sort of uh, elitist or anything, but it's, it's kind of, they're two different instruments. You know, you get keyboard players uh, who are into their gear and there loads of different sounds and equipment and um you know that sort of keyboard touch and then you have pianists who i think study for years getting the touch of a piano you know so they they are very different um and yes i feel very blessed nowadays to be playing on such beautiful uh, instruments <laughs> <laughs> Was there a, you know, one artist that you can remember who maybe encouraged you to, to want to take out the piano? Not really one person in particular that, that sort of started me off. I think I had a love for harmony and so when I started listening to jazz music, which is, I was sort of put onto jazz by my, uh, my first jazz piano teacher, Simon Colam, at, at, when, at my music school. I can't say there was one particular person, but since starting my jazz journey if you will <laughs> um harry connick jr is probably someone who i admire the most and sort of inspires me the most because he kind of like me well i aspire to be like him in, a, in as much as he's an all-rounder you know fantastic voice incredible performer really talented piano player can properly blow uh, and a killing songwriter and arranger as well so someone someone like that is really someone who uh, inspires me yeah um, and, and taking you back maybe even further, maybe tell a little bit more of the story of how you came to play the piano in the first place. Well, uh, we, we had a, a broken piano at home of which some keys worked and some keys didn't. So that wasn't the most inspiring uh, start. But we used to go to my grandparents' house uh, once a year, usually around Christmas. They live in Wales and they had a, a nice, decent working piano. And I'd sort of uh, come through the door every time, having not seen them for 12 months, sort of push past my grandparents and bury myself in the piano for the whole week or two weeks that I was there um, and after uh, after s several times of doing that I think they said you know it's a fair cop you can have the piano you know so we shipped it down to London and, uh, and that was my piano ever since so yeah it is it's quite a strange story as well with me because I started with the clarinet and playing drums and a bit of acting always knew that I wanted to do music but never really quite knew what it was whether it was going to be writing or arranging or performing in orchestras um, and yeah what going to music college and having jazz piano lessons sort of I didn't really think that jazz could be a career before. I knew you had session musicians and I knew you had classical musicians, but for me, it was something you did for fun. And so when I realised that it was, it, there was a job prospect, if you will, <laughs> um, but there was a there was a chance to do my thing, and 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 that involves jazz. Then then I thought, great. They call you Lady Luck, but there is room for doubt. At times you have a very unladylike way of running out. You're on this date with me. The pickings have been lush. 
But before tonight is over, my darling, you might give me the brush. You might forget your manners. Okay, we've talked about the piano side, but singing, did that come naturally or was it a quite tentative process? Well, kind of like the, the, my other instruments that I played growing up, I did the classical grades, you know, the Schubert arias and things like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I had quite a good treble voice when I was a, when I was a young boy, sang in, in the, I was a chorister at school. So it's like singing has been very natural. And for me, you know, a lot of people who aren't musicians are like, wow, the whole singing and playing thing at the same time is quite uh, impressive. But for me, it comes very naturally to me, yeah, luckily. You've obviously played a lot of gigs in a lot of venues, but um, one thing that fascinated me and it was the fact that you played Jerry Lee Lewis in the Million Dollar Quartet, which uh, you don't strike, strike me as that flamboyant. <laughs> well, it's funny, I, I took that gig on because I thought, when am I ever going to get the chance to sing and play piano, which is you know, essentially what I do on a West End stage, until, I don't know, until Jamie Cullum the musical comes out, I think, <laughs> you know, Jerry Lee was, uh, was a really great opportunity. But no, I, I thought when I took on that role, I thought, you know, I know what I'm doing musically and I, I know my strengths and weaknesses as a musician. One of the things that I was really interested in um, sort of touching on was, was the performance aspect of, of my show and my music. And I thought if I could spend a year in the West End being tutored by a, a production team and a director on sort of giving me pointers on how to become a star and how to act like this guy, Jerry Lee Lewis, who is, as you said, incredibly eccentric and flamboyant, um, that some of that might rub off on me. And it certainly has. In fact, one tune that I, I play on almost all, all of my gigs is uh, I do a solo number from, uh, from Jerry's uh, repertoire, which always goes down a storm. You know. OK, so when you appear at King's Place, I think this is album number two, is that right? Album number two, yes. Uh, Stepping Out. We recorded it in uh, December um, 2012 and released it um, in the middle of 2013. It's a collection of standards and originals, so it's, it's kind of half and half. There's some covers on it as well. In the musicians, I, I was sort of in the enviable position of having a budget and and I could sort of plan everything myself and the, the label were amazingly sort of hands off and let me just crack on. So really, it was a dream really for me because I could sort of say, hand pick the team of people I wanted um, Nigel Hitchcock, who's uh, probably, arguably, one of Europe's best sax players, is is, uh, is on my record, and he's someone who I wrote to when I was about 16, saying, asking him for a, a lesson, you know. So I was in it. Was a, it was really was a dream to to be able to sort of tenish years later to um, give him an email from my manager and ask him to do the record. But you know, um, it was yeah, it was a dream in many senses. I got to work with strings. I wrote and arranged and conducted the string section and um, like Seb Sebastian de Crom, um, Tom Farmer, who's my long-term bass player. Um, yeah, just a wonderful bunch of guys, incredible musicians. Um, how did you approach the original material? You know, is, is that something that you've always sort of been been part of what you do? Yeah, I, I've always written. I think if I'd have stuck to what I did at the very start when I started messing around on the piano, that's what I did. I wrote cheesy love pop songs when I was <laughs> 12, 13. You know, um, yeah, I love songwriting. Uh, for, for me, when I'm putting a record together, I've got a kind of such a big back catalogue of originals. It's more just finding the right mix of different emotions or different different soundings, tunes on the record, but still keeping it as this one focused record, you know. 
I didn't want to do a record where this track sounds like it's recorded here or this track's a this track. I mean, there's a lot of variance, I think, on the album, but um, hopefully we keep it contained in that sort of acoustic lineup. Yeah, in terms of originals on the album, there's a sad ballad, solo piano ballad at the end called Learning to Unlove You. There's a sort of an epic sort of pop song with strings that I wrote with a friend of mine called Adam Sop, and that's called um, Falling in Love. So there's a lot, there's there's kind of a lot of different different things, but essentially it's it's all my inspirations just pouring out onto one CD. Hopefully, <laughs> without. Um, Blowing my own trumpet, I, you know, I, I know that we, we do a good show and, and people, I've, I've, I've been doing it for more than a few years now, so I think I kind of know what works and what doesn't and uh, it generally, obviously the more times you do a good show and the more congratulated you get for it, the less, the, uh, the less surprising it becomes. I tell you what does surprise me though is that certain songs certain people pick up on and there's a track on the album called The Early Bird which is about... Um, uh, let the early bird get the worm. I'm happy to staying in bed, sleeping in with you. That's kind of it's a, it's a silly little throwaway sort of standard that I wrote with my friend. People seem to really like that tune. People comment on that tune afterwards after gigs, and they I think it's one of the most popular tunes of mine on iTunes. But for me, it's a it's a nice tune. It's a, it's just a, but it's just sort of like a, a new standard that I wrote, and maybe that's why people like it. But the the warm reception is um, is really encouraging. But the, what really surprises me is is the tunes that people like. Yeah, it's not what I would have thought. Tell me a little bit more about the band that you're bringing. Who's going to be playing with you in Hall One? Um, well, uh, it's going to be my quartet is going to uh, are doing the gig, and that's Tom Farmer on bass, who uh, runs and plays in Empirical, a fantastic London jazz collective. Uh, Dave Ohm is on drums, another crazy cat, uh, plays at Ronnie Scott's all the time. Um, and Alan Nathu on saxophone, who's a, a very dear friend I went to music college with, and a uh, fantastic tenor sax player. You're very kindly, we've got the piano out here, <laughs> you're very kindly going to play us a song. What are you going to play and maybe set the scene? Tell me, tell me a bit more about it. I'm going to sing a Stevie Wonder uh, song. This is uh, a song from my album, one that I got to do with strings, and this is called Overjoyed.
The Anthony Strong Band play alongside Julia Beale on Thursday the 13th of March in Hall 1 as part of Air Session Voices. I'm Ben Eshmade and you're listening to a King's Place podcast. For details about this event and ticket links, please visit kingsplace.co.uk. Thanks for listening. <laughs>